Welcome to Unexpecting, a podcast brought to you by Hannah, the leading fertility support organization for Jewish people in the UK. I'm Dr. Romy Shulman, the clinical lead at Hannah. And I'm Shimon Schwab, a psychotherapist at Hannah. Over the course of this podcast, we'll be talking to experts, couples, and religious leaders about the multi-layered challenges people face on their fertility journey. We offer practical, emotional, and financial support to those couples on the sometimes complex paths towards parenthood. Head over to hana.org.uk for more information. Hello again, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Hannah's podcast, Unexpecting. Today, we are delighted and extremely grateful that a past Hannah client has offered to join us and share her story and her experience with Hannah. I'm joined once again by my esteemed colleague, Dr. Veronique Berman. Veronique, we are so privileged to have you as our scientific advisor at Hannah. Thank you for joining us again today to explore the more personal side of our work at Hannah. Thank you. Thank you very much. The privilege is all mine. And I have to say that this is quite an unusual experience for me because um, it's extremely rare for me to actually see a name, let alone a face, of um, a couple or a client that approaches us at Khana. Um, I normally see um, client numbers, so to be able to actually see the person behind it is quite an unusual experience for me. So thank you for having me today. Thank you for joining us. And yes, I think uh, you know what you're saying really expresses how confidentiality is absolutely paramount at Khana. Um, obviously because of the nature of the work that we do and we take it very seriously in, in all aspects of our organization. And I think it's, it's a difficulty, you know, it, it creates a difficulty for us at Khana to express to the public the, the true nature and the true impact of the work that we do uh, because obviously we're bound by keeping our clients' stories personal and confidential. So it's extremely important for us to be able to have personal stories from clients to share so that everyone out there can actually understand the fertility journey uh, and the impact of the work that we do. Jacqueline Nortman, thank you so, so much for joining us this morning. We are so grateful that you've come forward to share your story with us. Welcome. Thank you. Can we start just by asking you how you came across Hannah in the first place and how you decided to contact us? Um, so I was struggling quite a lot uh, with my fertility at the time and um, I was quite emotional all the time. So at work and at home and um, a good friend of mine so happened to see an advert about Hannah and the work that you do. And she said to me, I'm going to give them a call. She didn't really give me a choice. She just said, I'm going to call them. So she called them on my behalf because I was just a wreck, really, at the time. And um, she said, I've made an appointment for you to go one Sunday morning. And that was really it. I didn't really know. I didn't know anything about Hannah at the time. I didn't know what to expect. But that was the start of me being supported by Hannah for uh, around two years before um, I eventually fell. Wow. Oh, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. I, I think, you know, that sometimes that first call at uh, the first contact can actually be really difficult for, for many people. Um, and 
it's interesting to hear that actually your friend was the person who made the first call and, and gave you that support to connect you with us. Yeah, no, I'm, I do. I'm still very grateful to her because I don't know if I would have been able to have made that call at the time. I just, I didn't have that kind of sense of awareness really of how bad I was. Can you tell us a little bit about what was happening for you at that time and you know at what, what what point of your journey that was um, and a little bit about your background story so at that time I think we had been um trying to get pregnant for around around nine months by that point and everyone around me was falling pregnant and I just kept receiving phone call after phone call from friends telling me that they were expecting and as much as I was always delighted for them it just kept hammering home that kind of personal sadness um, and the struggle that I felt like I was facing and this was um, coming on for well it would have been 14 years ago now that that I started my journey with Hannah. So then people didn't really speak about it as much as they do now. So I didn't know anyone that had been going through challenges or I felt really alone and isolated. And even my own parents um, didn't have any problem. My mum my mom and dad were very fortunate and they were able to have their children with ease. So I just felt completely alone and the medical system is just very matter of fact and there was no one there that was able to talk to me about the emotional side of it and I just felt like my journey was I was here to be a mother and the fact that I couldn't be a mother was was killing me and then I think the the icing on the cake for me was when my brother then told me that they were expecting so not only did I have all my friends around me expecting but then my brother was as well I found that really tough that was that was way harder than any of my friends expecting because obviously it's right there in the family and you know I I just I just wanted it to be my turn and I I couldn't I couldn't understand why it wasn't my turn so when you, you made that brave step, um, or your friends helped you to make that step to come to Hana, what did you expect that you might get in terms of help from Hana? Did you have any expectations or ideas? Not really. I think when I, when I first met the lady that was supporting me, she was, she was great and she was so warm and so understanding and she, she kind of took a took a weight off my shoulders even though I was still in my position just knowing that I had someone who actually understood what I might be going through made a massive difference but I didn't know I didn't really know what to expect I didn't know how how it was going to work out and I I certainly didn't realize that there could potentially be connections to other medical people that would or eventually help me get pregnant um, so it it was all completely unknown to me at the time, but I think I was in such a state of despair that I was willing to just go for the ride and see where it took me. You mentioned when you told us a little bit about where you were up to at the time of, of contacting, and I think those points that you raised, the feeling of isolation, 
uh, is just is it's so common. I, I, in my role, I meet all the new clients that come that come our way to Hana, and I think that's you know probably one of the most common things that clients will say. And it's interesting that you know you, you've added that now people talk about it a little bit more, and may, and I mean you know certainly at Hana, and I think in general there is a real push to to get it more spoken about, and obviously that's what we're trying to do here today as well. Um, but even though we've moved quite far along uh, in in trying to destigmatize and talk more about it, it seems that that couples still feel very very isolated, and perhaps when people are and especially younger people going through this, um, when people are not maybe speaking about it in their circles, that that isolation is very much still a part of the journey. Yeah, no, it it is. I think when I when I I was going through it, I was the first person that I knew to go through it, seemingly, you know, outwardly. Um, and once I was eventually out to the other side, and I, thank goodness, had a healthy baby. I then started to talk about my journey and what I went through. And it was at that point that other people started coming to me to say, um, can you give me some advice or can you tell me what to do? Or just just or they would just talk to me and offload to me because they knew that I had been through something. So whether it was the same or different, I just had that level of empathy and awareness that they needed. And I think because unless you go through it people don't necessarily understand how hard it is because why it's the same with anything why would you if you don't experience it firsthand you don't have the same understanding um and I think that's that's really important for people going through challenging times to have someone that does understand and that they can speak to absolutely absolutely uh, it's, when you came to Hannah, uh did you know, did you sort of have any idea about what a support worker was or would be like for you? In this context, I had no idea how it might help. Um, but the support worker mainly worked with me, but on a few occasions, my husband would come with as well and we'd have a joint session. Because I think, you know, men and women do deal with things differently and we certainly processed what was going through in very different ways and I was maybe quite typically the emotional one and my husband was the very matter of fact logical rational one and that caused its own level of challenge because I felt like he didn't understand either um, and what he was trying to do was try and reassure me that you know don't despair you know, we will get there. But obviously at the time when my emotions are running so high, I just thought it was, oh, you're another person that doesn't understand. So it, so the work that um, we had jointly and separately was really important and really beneficial because it brought us back together and in the sense of understanding where each other's coming from. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad you raised that actually because it's such a big part of what we do uh, and the fact that we do offer counselling and support to both men, men and women, um, and that we do have the option within our team for couples to either have counselling on their own or together as a couple. And and occasionally, sometimes people need to take up both of those thing, both of those options in parallel, depending obviously on on personal circumstances. But 
it's it's such a common thing. You know, couples come in sometimes quite distressed that their their husband or their wife is uh, just doesn't seem on the same page. And actually, in reality, two people going through anything at all, if you if you taste the same slice of cake, for example are never going to experience the same thing in exactly the same way. And that's just the nature of being human. So obviously, in a situation that is as big and as difficult as infertility, of course there are going to be differences. And, and having the space to understand that that's okay, firstly, um, and then a space to be able to communicate both, both partners' needs and to work through those challenges together um, in a kind of neutral environment is 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 really important and and really beneficial. So I'm I'm glad that you raised that. Thank you. So Jacqueline, when you started your journey with us at Hana, had you actually started the process of approaching the doctors and and getting into the medical system at that point? <clears throat> um, yes, I had, and it um, was a really negative experience for us. So that was just adding to my despair. We were in the system and we kept, <laughs> essentially, we kept being given appointments between four and six months apart. So we just felt like this is this is mad. And um, the doctors that I was seeing initially, they, I didn't really understand what was going on. As in there was no understanding in terms of what might be causing the infertility, what what they can do to assist me. There was just nothing. I would go, I would have a, a scan and then I would be told to come back in six months. And I didn't understand why. Without any communication in between. Nothing. So I was just left to sort of fester. And I, I it was only when I came to Hana that I realised um, that clearly I was not in a good system at this point. And obviously not all medical systems work like that but I just happened to fall into a bad one and Hannah told me that there was a thing under the NHS called the right to the right to choose or the right to choice choice that's it patient choice yeah um and I was then recommended to go and see a doctor at St Mary's that was I, I believe she's still on your panel now actually um and that was the start of it changing. But that actually didn't happen for quite a while down the line because we were trying to, or A, trying to get me to a better place uh, mentally because I, when I came to Hana, I wouldn't, even if I had fallen pregnant, I would, wouldn't have coped with the pregnancy. I was in such a bad way. And two, it took a while to understand what was going on in, in the medical experience that we were having at the time. So I wasn't given that. Um, initial advice for a while but once I was that was the that was the turning point for us right so were we able to give or to direct you with medical advice and support um, through members of our medical panel yes so I was told to contact and I was given her direct line um, Dr White um, yes. who is I believe on your panel she very much is um, a member of our medical panel and I saw her at St Mary's and um she was brilliant as she she took me under her wing she was almost apologizing for the experience I I had had because she felt that everyone was entitled to a certain level of care and she, the efficiency that came from her was unbelievable and I was going between two three times a week when previously it was like six months 
but she was tough with me too. You know, I, I, I have polycystic ovaries and I don't ovulate. And so that was ultimately what led to my infertility. Um, but she wouldn't start any form of treatment until I'd lost some weight because there's evidence to suggest that losing X amount of weight would assist with a, a, a pregnancy. And um, I, she set me a, a task of, of losing this weight and gave me a, a time period. Uh, and I went back and I <laughs> I laugh about it now, but at the time I was so cross. I remember it. Um, sure. She said to me, nope, you're four pounds short of the targets. Come back in two, three weeks and or, or a month or whatever it was. I can't remember the amount of time. And I was so cross, about, but it was exactly what I needed. Because I was like, I'm going to show Dr. White. I'm going to come enough. back. Yeah, I'm going to come yeah. back and I'm going to have lost that weight. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. and I yeah, went back is... sorry go on no 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 go on she I went back to her and she said right you've done it now we can start treatment I was like okay I knew it um but Absolutely. it it was the tough love that I needed I, yeah. I needed that <laughs> yeah I think the medical panel are the most incredible group of people they um are incredibly generous with their time their expertise their knowledge um, this is a group of almost 30 medical professionals um, in all areas of reproductive health so that's male and female and um, they work in different settings so some of them are in primary care which is the general practitioners and others are working in hospitals like dr white who you saw and um, they bring to khana the most um, phenomenal service because they, again, like myself, don't normally know whose cases they're discussing. So we meet once a quarter and we will go through individual cases that um, the couples have requested the panel to review. So this is a multidisciplinary team meeting, which is very different to anything that the couples would normally experience. Normally, a couple will go to a clinic or to a doctor and discuss their case, and it will be a discussion with that doctor, and that will be it. This is several specialists, several gynecologists, fertility specialists, who are all looking with their expert eyes and their expertise um, and so each person is going to see something slightly different and the important thing is it's it's really a little bit like revealing a jigsaw puzzle you've got all the pieces in front of you but when you put them together that's when you see a picture mm. and this is really what we hope to achieve that the medical panel will look at all the different pieces of information and pull them together and make a picture for the couple. So if that couple are applying for um, support towards a treatment, or if that couple are just needing to have advice or opinion, or sometimes it's just the reassurance that what they're doing is the correct path and the correct choices for the best outcome for them and we are very privileged because as you state we're able to put um, patients in contact with members of the panel and so we don't just have these meetings once a quarter we can contact them if we have questions about a couple or a client or a particular medical query and they will do their best to answer very promptly um, so it, it is a, a very important path and it's really nice to get feedback that it 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 pays off that it you know that that it, the clients are really benefiting from it so so that that's very very helpful feedback as well 
Um, you, you also made one other point, which is very important. You said that she was tough with you. And I think that, you know, I, when I say tough love and I don't mean it flippantly at all. There are lots and lots of things that clinics are offering. They're called add-ons. They're called extras, which very often people will be tempted to take on board or to sign up for or to pay for. And these are not things that they would get if they went to an NHS clinic. They're only things that would be offered if they went to a private mm. clinic. And <clears throat> our medical panel are extremely good at making sure that people will go through treatments or go through um, investigations that are fully scientifically backed, that have robust research behind them so that people are not going down some route that may lead them nowhere and that they may not they may pin a lot of hope and a lot of money as well mm. unfortunately mm. and a lot of energy into something that has no scientific or medical basis and um it is something that is extremely extremely important to us both when we're funding because we can't fund something that isn't um, approved, nice guidelines approved, um, but also that, that couples shouldn't waste their time, energy and money on things that have no medical or scientific basis. And I think that was the thing for us that, you know, we weren't in a position where we could go private. And so that was part of the battle as well. Um, and that's why I think I appreciated the sheer honesty um, and respect that I got out of Dr. White because she wasn't trying to lead me down, a, you know, a route that wasn't worthwhile going down. And it meant that I could really put my trust in her. And I knew that whatever she did was for the greater good and, and benefits, ultimately. And in my case, it was absolutely right. You know, she was tough but with purpose and she didn't she didn't hang around if something wasn't working she'd look at it she would work out what might be the issue and then we'd move on to the next thing so it was always moving whereas before with the local um, medical people that I was seeing there was so much hanging around you just felt hopeless where it, she took that away because although I was still struggling with my not being pregnant I knew that she was doing everything she could to keep it moving and to keep on, you know, battling mm. the, the challenges that I was facing. And, and that made a huge difference. Yeah. And, and that was as an NHS patient as, as well. As an NHS patient, yeah. 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 Which, you know, that's one thing we know, that there are lots of people who struggle to get NHS funding. And unfortunately... Time has moved on since your experience. It's become increasingly, increasingly difficult um, for people to reach that funding. And um, so it, it's very important that one of the things we do is to try and help people access whatever they are entitled to and whatever they are able to get. And of course, if they're not able to get it, then that's where the private sector will step in. But it's you know, we are funded by the community and therefore we have a responsibility which we take terribly seriously as to how the funds are spent. And therefore, when couples are able to have treatment on the NHS or something is eligible to them, we make sure as best as we can that they reach it or that they access it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And another sort of service that comes to the package is also um, what we call patient advocacy. Is You know, sometimes 
patients might not know what actually is uh, what they are eligible for. They might speak to the wrong person who didn't know the right answer on the day. Uh, and, it's, and, and we fill a really important gap there of sometimes saying to patients, actually, you are eligible and you are entitled to X, Y, or Z. And then we help them on how to go back and communicate that because I think it can be so overwhelming that sometimes when a person's in it, it's really difficult to communicate that and to... to you know, to actually, and also there are times where they will actually be speaking to the right person, but that person has to be available to be spoken to. And very often the first port of call is the GP and it's a 10 minute appointment. They have a system, they have a way they have to work. And, and of course we always respect that. And we try to help our clients to have a good relationship and a good working understanding with the GPs. So sometimes when they go back and they say, I, I found out that I am eligible to do this or I can access this. One of the things that we do is we communicate with the GPs and we communicate with the CCGs. So these are the clinical commissioning groups who actually oversee that. And it's not about good cop, bad cop. It's about there is so much information and the information is often changing it doesn't stay static. And I think that's something that we really try very hard to be mindful of the fact is that it's an ever-changing arena, both in terms of the rules and regulations, but also from my point of view, quite excitingly, in terms of the science, in terms of what is being offered. And each year, I'm looking to see, is there anything new in terms of the treatments? Is there anything different in terms of the treatments? Is there anything different in terms of the clinics that are coming up what's available for our potential service users so that they can access the most up-to-date. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that you've, thank God, moved on quite fast since, since this time in your life um, and your journey, but uh, just to put a mention in as well for, for couples who are going through this currently with COVID on top of everything else uh, and just... Uh, I don't know if you have anything to, to say on that, about sort of just imagining what having COVID on top of the journey might be like. I mean, we have a couple who got their letter for their first appointment from the clinic that said you, you're eligible to book your first appointment in 52 weeks' time. Uh, and that's, that's the kind of thing that we're looking at at the moment. That's the, you know, those are the wait times. And on top of all the other challenges of not being able to take your partner, take one's partner into an appointment and just everything on top of it. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. I just think it must must just compound the absolute feelings of frustration, despair, upset. I mean, I can only imagine you're already feeling isolated and and you're struggling and then to because of the pandemic it's done challenging things to everyone for different reasons but I can only just imagine how difficult that must be to it makes that goal feel even further away and when you're so wanting something and you're longing for it and you're finally getting what feels like a you know the light at the end of the tunnel you can have your appointment but to be told it's a year away I mean I really feel for them. That's just, that's awful. Um, so now that you are, thankfully, uh, is it 10 years on? 
she's she's 11 now she's just started secondary school okay wow um so 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 being uh, 11 years on then um what's your perception of uh fertility challenges and the way that it's dealt with sort of in in social media and sort of public public forum i think um there are some really good advocates out there but it's more along they're talking more along the line of miscarriage there's a lot of um celebrities using their personal experiences to talk about miscarriage which i think is very brave and is wonderful because again there's I think there's less of a misconception now than there was when I was going through it, but people don't realise how common miscarriage is. So I think there's some excellent work being done in the social media around that. But I still don't think enough is being done to help people understand how common um, fertility challenges are generally. I think a lot of people I speak to even now just think you know they'll start trying and magically you know one two three months they'll be pregnant hey presto um and the reality is when you look at the percentages of of um you know how actually to fall pregnant is is a real science and it's it's a difficult science and the percentages aren't amazing to begin with so if you've got a bit of a struggle on your hands um there's not enough education around that and I think we have to somehow demystify um and again that comes from you know film and tv and you know (laughs) whatever you're watching a they make falling pregnant really simple and b they make giving birth a, a distorted view as well so I think there's not enough education just around all of it, really. Um, the falling pregnant, the pregnancy, and even down to birthing as well. Birthing is not necessarily what people think it might be like. And I think that can shock people too. So I, I also think with social media, it's very difficult to escape your your own challenges if you've if you've got people around you and they're kind of through no fault of their own you know talking about their own pregnancies or they're putting pictures up of their scans or whatever they're going through you know people are very open on social media and so I think that can probably intensify the situation when I when I was pregnant social media had only really just started you know Facebook was maybe two years in (laughs) Um, and now you know it's part of everyone's life face and all the other platforms other platforms didn't exist so I think it's like an it's an added layer of challenge that you have to navigate I I remember when I was pregnant um, I, I actually went on to have another pregnancy as well so when I was pregnant both times I was very mindful of not putting anything on social media about any part of it um, because I, at that point, my awareness was so high that I realized just how many people could be struggling. And I didn't want to make someone else feel bad or, you know, not because they would be unhappy for me, but just there's a real personal sadness to everyone's story. So bringing the empathy in at that stage already. Yeah. 
and 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 going through it, you know, a person who goes through it themselves has has an extra level of of awareness and understanding that perhaps people who haven't just you know, uh, for no fault of their own, you know, they they don't have that awareness or perhaps that extra mm -hmm. level of sensitivity. And I think you know, social media is the kind of thing, Facebook, where people are not splashing their their difficult details or their personal struggles and things all over the page. They're showing all the happy stuff and and people looking at that on the other side who are going through anything painful or difficult really it's it's really hard you know it makes the world out there look very perfect compared to the personal struggles and and it's not you know we all we all know on some level that it's not really the case but it's very hard to see it's the middle of it's the very distorted isn't it it's, it's people have to remember with with social media it's a snapshot of someone's life and People have full control of what they're putting out. So they're only going to put out what they want people to see and believe. Um, it's not real. It's not real. It's not real. And it's very difficult to remember that when you're seeing, as you say, such perfection everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything that you would like to, to say, any message that you would like to give to a person or a couple who might be at the beginning of their fertility journey? So it's a hard one. I think my, my husband used to say to me, and it used to drive me mad, <laughs> but he used to say to me, for every day you're not pregnant, you're one day closer. And that was him trying to be really supportive, but yeah. it just used to drive me a pool. Um, because I think... For anyone at the start of their journey, you just, you know, try and work as a team, try and try and understand each other and, and try and have that understanding that if you're coming at it from different angles, it doesn't mean that the other one isn't with you on the journey. It just means that you're processing it in a different way. And that's OK. Try and find someone if they're comfortable to talk about it, to talk to to offload I think carrying the burden is very difficult and especially if you're in a community where or you're surrounded by people who are seemingly falling pregnant without any challenge you need to have someone to talk to because it is lonely and it is isolating um, and the only way that you're really really get through it is to have a support network around you and it can't just be your partner because they're going through some form of challenge themselves with it even if it doesn't feel like they are um so I would say to try and reach out to someone that you trust and can talk to if you can um and if they haven't yet come to Hannah come to Hannah because honestly um the work that um you did for us um as a couple was was phenomenal and really did change it changed our lives ultimately we you know we we could it kept us together as a couple because at one point you know it became really challenging because we were just felt like we were banging heads um and Thank God for us, it, it resulted in, in a healthy pregnancy and um, and as I said, it, it changed our lives. But it also, there was so much education that we got from the work that you guys did with us as well. And I think 
I've always held on to that so much knowledge that I didn't have before. And on some level, I'm almost grateful for the challenge that I faced because I, you know, I learned so much about myself as well as about science, which I was never good at at school. Um, <laughs> Anyone can do science. You know? <laughs> um, but I did learn so much and it, it has, um, it has changed my life because I feel like when other people have come to me since I'm able to, I can't, you know, I can't tell them what to do and I can't, but I do have an empathy and I do can talk about some personal experience. And um, I do always tell them to get in touch with Hannah. Thank you. Thank you. I felt actually quite emotional hearing all that because Veronique and I and and, and obviously everyone else in our team are steeped in it every day and it's just it's nice to be able to take a step back and 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 sort of hear it back like this and the impact that the multi-faceted teamwork really has on a situation and um you know in that space of you know when you when you speak about your husband saying each day is one day uh closer um you know, that being in that place of not knowing, of not knowing how the journey is going to end is just absolutely terrifying. It's, it's the hardest place to be on the journey. And thank God, you know, the vast majority of couples that come to Hannah, we see so, so many, you know, vast majority positive outcomes, thank God, and so many babies born. But until, until that moment, uh, you know, sitting with that not knowing is, uh, very, very difficult. And and the, the support is there, whatever the outcome will be. And it, it it is unconditional in terms of whatever the outcomes are, that the teams remain in place and the systems remain in place. Jacqueline, can I ask you a slightly different question? If I was going to approach a donor, somebody who we would hope would give us support, financial support to to continue our work. What would you say to someone um, who might be a potential donor? How would the donation that they might make help someone who's on their fertility journey or starting their fertility journey? Oh, that's a hard one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It might sound cliche. It really might sound cliche, but I would say that, you know... The expenses that are incurred um, around fertility are immense. And um, there are many people like myself who wouldn't necessarily be in a position to go privately or who just need um, a network of support. And donors really will make make a direct impact on these people's lives because... um, (laughs) as cliche as it sounds, every penny they are donating is going towards helping someone and hopefully bringing a life into the world. And that sense of pride that you've made a difference to someone is phenomenal. And and I think that's very special. There aren't, you know, people always say, I want to do something meaningful, but this really is meaningful um, and enriching. And I think there's no better gift than the gift of life. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so, so much. I, I, I think this is really something that you've already covered in a lot of the wonderful things that you've said. But it, if there is maybe one or two sentences that would sum up what Hannah 
meant to you at the time or, or, or means to you now? Would you be able to sum that up into a sentence or two? Um, Ghana for me was a safety net, safe place, um, and a, a sanctuary of kind of rational thinking and support. It was like a big hug, you know. Um, and now, you know, even once I had my daughter, um, my support worker was still there to just see me at the, the, at the other end of the journey. Um, and Hana now still holds a really special place in my heart. Um, and I always talk about it with great fondness. And um, I was, uh, my, my daughter's Hebrew name, part of her Hebrew name is Hana. Um, and and uh, yeah, it, it does hold a really dear place in my heart. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, you see, I, I'm glad I asked that question as well. <laughs> there was a lot more. It's a beautiful answer. Say. Yes, thank you so much. I, I don't know if there's anything else that you would like to add, um, maybe that we haven't covered or anything that you'd like to say. Well, for me, it's just a case of um, thanking you because... Um, yeah, I've, I've never really been able to say thank you. So thank you, because that day that I walked in, I didn't know what was to come, but it's it's been an adventure and it's been a, a great journey. And as I said, she's just started secondary school. We've got her bat mitzvah for next year. And um, it wouldn't have been possible without Hannah. Well, I think I speak on behalf of the whole team and I say that it's absolutely our privilege to help any any client and every couple that walks through our doors and, and will always continue to be that way. Uh, and I just, I'm, I'm so grateful and feel so emotional to have heard your story and, and, and had this opportunity to hear about your whole experience and, and uh, yeah, the impact that Fana had on your journey um, and to hear about your two wonderful children, thank God. Yeah. It's very humbling and uh, we're extremely grateful that you were happy to do this or able to do this as well. It's, uh, you know, we don't underestimate that it is very difficult. People, rightly, it's a very private part of people's lives and therefore sharing such intimate <laughs> details about one's life is, is not something that most people want to do. But the impact that hopefully it will have on other people I just want to add one tiny little thing that I'd like to thank your friend because that was an act of true friendship. And people should know that, that we get contacted um, on our telephone helpline by family members, by friends, even sometimes colleagues. And um, the telephone helpline is staffed by professionals who are there to take queries, to take calls, to help make the introductions to the service like your friend did. And um, so I'm really grateful that she did that. Me too. <laughs> um, I, I just want to add that I hope that you coming forward today is going to inspire and encourage other couples to come forward and to speak and to share their stories, to share their outcomes, you know, whether they've been positive or challenging, so that you know, to, to help other people not to feel alone and to also share what resources are out there, Hannah and others, to help people to, to get through these challenges and to get to their 
hopefully to their happy outcomes. Thank you so, so much uh, again, Jacqueline Norton, for, for joining us today and for sharing your story. Thank you, Dr. Berman. And thank you, everybody, for, for listening to another episode of Unexpecting. Thank you for listening to Unexpecting, brought to you by Hannah. If you are struggling on your fertility journey, head over to hannah.org.uk and get in touch with one of our experts or call the helpline on 0208 201 5774. With Hannah, you are not alone. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe, rate, review and share on social media. We really hope you'll join us again soon.